0: Welcome back to the It's Telehealth podcast. If you are a new listener, we want to welcome you to the squad. If you're a returning listener, we want to thank you from the bottom of our heart for coming back. We want to hear from you. We want to know what the best part of this episode was. So leave your name and where you're from in the comments and let's get into this episode. Three, two, one. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of the It's Telehealth podcast. I am so excited to bring a different guest to the table today. Diana, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to, you know, meet other people that are in a growth mindset, want to learn, want to meet other people. So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. You know, that's one of the easiest ways I think we can utilize all this technology in front of us. So people who are listening on audio today, me and Diana are recording this via zoom. And I love utilizing this platform to be able to network and engage with other like minded people. And so your openness to be able to connect with me meant a lot, because I feel like a lot of people aren't doing that. Um, Is this something that you often do is just like meet with different people? Do you feel like connecting is super valuable? Or how does that kind of sit in your world?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just literally came off from another meeting from somebody from LinkedIn uh, who, you know, just reached out to me through LinkedIn and said, oh, I like, you know, X, Y, and Z, maybe a post, maybe something in my profile, something was interesting to them. And so let's meet. And I said, absolutely. And, And it was a very beautiful conversation. You know, it was Powerful it was engaging it was collaborative and that's really what it's about and I have other many other people that I know from LinkedIn um, That is similar where something connected something resonated and we connect and we help each other and we amplify and we really lift each other up and Again, I can say that about a lot of my I'll call it LinkedIn family who's really there if I if they know I have a project going if there's something I'm passionate about or maybe it's an article I wrote or podcast and they really, again, share it, amplify it. And it really is beautiful. And this, these are people from the UK. These are people, I get another call. I had surgery today and after my surgery, somebody called me up and said, hey, what do you think about this? And we spent an hour talking on the phone uh, about some things that she was going through, and this is somebody actually technically I don't know, but I have met and zoomed and done projects with, collaborate through LinkedIn. But it's not the physical space; it's more the connection and the humanity, and you know, growing together and helping each other, and, and that's that's a beautiful thing. I, you know, I really love that.
0: That growth is something that I'm so passionate about the ability to grow with each other, I think comes from, you know, one of the blessings of the pandemic that we've all been through is the hyper connectedness that has been created through video. And so being able to have people in a format like a podcast, for example, gives us an organic opportunity to grow together by learning more about one another as well. So one thing that I would love for you to do is kind of give everybody a background about the things that you're passionate about a little bit about yourself as well. So everybody can get a better understanding of who exactly Diana is.
1: Yeah, thank you. So I mean, the things that probably get me up in the morning, I'm really passionate about is humanities people. Uh, I'm my training and one of my roles is I'm a urologist, urologist, a physician. And that's just one of the many roles I have, we all have roles. And these are sort of external covering shells, you know, of the ego of like, what do I you know, what's my title? What's my name? What do I do? Um, And and these are important because you know, I, I did spend a lot of time kind of crafting that role. And it's something I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about medicine because I went into it because I actually love people. I thought the most important thing to do was to bring humanity to medicine. And I really thought that's what it really was about. And and it is. But I, I think a lot of it has been lost and we have become a medicine Or, as physicians, you know, transcribers and prescribers and all kinds of other things other than a true physician, which is a healer, is a teacher. And we don't have the time, we don't have the energy to teach like patients, to explain things to patients, to talk to them, to look at them in the eye. We just don't have the time. We we also don't have the energy. We're burned out. And burnout is a huge pandemic as well, let's call it. uh, In medicine, it's a big problem. It affects. 65 percent of some specialties that's a lot of people uh, you know there's 13 to 15 percent of the physicians are suicidal they're thinking about it and about 400 per year complete suicide that that is pretty tragic and especially if you've tried to go to go to a specialist or even a primary care doctor you can't see somebody for three months and now we're losing 400 per year per year per year this is a problem So, you know, that's what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about people, humanity, burnout, wellness, telling physicians, you know, you got to prioritize your self-care. You got to prioritize you. You got to take care of yourself. You, you are important. You are valuable. You matter. You have to learn to say no, (laughs) you've got to stand up for yourself. And we really have to take medicine back. To a place that we're used to be, or if you're maybe sometimes from another country, you might have might have seen it's a little bit different. Uh, physicians in other countries truly spend time to speak to you. They actually touch you. They don't just order five hundred tests and you know say I'll see you in three months. I mean it's a very different type of care. In other countries and even you know maybe years back, but I definitely don't think it is like that today, Uh, but, but, but we can get there, I mean that the good news is we can only improve so it's not doom and gloom, but we have room to improve and that is the good news.
0: Well, one thing that I heard you say that that was very powerful is the overall ability to identify with or as a physician is something that a lot of people put a lot of weight into. But you have a natural ability to kind of create that separation between you, the person, Diana, and you, the physician. And so it's very interesting to kind of understand or at least kind of dive into how that perspective came about and why you started prioritizing it.
1: Yeah, that, that is a great question. And, and this kind of goes back to what ego is. And, you know, I started, you, you know, you sort of start learning the language and understanding and wants to learn more about it. The ego is really your false, the, the false sense of self uh because the ego is all these roles and it can be not just a physician i mean talking about like a mother a sister uh let's call it i a runner uh, even though your identity um politically or where you're from like a mexican i was born in mexico city i am uh mexican i was i lived there for 12 years so those are all roles but they're actually ego because those are not your true roles your true role identity is like a spiritual one like the soul who are we who tr- who are we truly and we truly are loving peaceful joyful enthusiastic creative beings that's who we truly are that is our true role then we add all these false roles that are the ego like I am a physician or I'm a lawyer I'm all this and then we get so attached to these roles that when we no longer have these roles let's say I mean of course you never want your kids to die and then you don't you're not a mother or you're not a physician anymore but the the, the time that you are no longer a physician the time that you become an empty nester then you have a, a crisis you're mm. like i am not a i might have an empty nester what am i going to do with my life i took care of kids for all this time now i'm by myself who am i um you get in an accident you can't operate you're not a surgeon who am i now you're in a crisis now you go into depression now you Start using drugs. Who knows? You go into a negative cycle because you have attached so much of your identity of who you are to these roles. When you realize you are not these roles, when you realize your true nature is not the ego talking, then there's like so much freedom because you're not, I'm not coming into you saying, Oh, I'm a physician, I'm a doctor. Like, who? I mean, nobody cares. I mean, maybe some people care, but that is not who I come into an exam room and say, oh, I'm a physician. Of course, I I have skills that I practice and I'm mastered. But if I come in as the ego, like I'm an expert and I don't come in as a student, which is a growth mindset, then I'm actually in a way dehumanizing you. Because if I am better than you, then I'm above you, then you are less than. And that's a dehumanizing thing to do. And and, and and yeah, a lot of people live in that mindset of like, I am better, I'm ego, I have all these titles, I've done all of this and they tell me all their accomplishments, fantastic. I mean, let me just tell you, you're worthy with all, all those accomplishments.
0: It's so true. One of the things that I think I have organically recognized Mm -hmm. is something that comes down to the physician-patient experience. Mm -hmm. When we are not treating each other as people, Mm -hmm. we have a natural ability to recognize transactional relationships. And I think that's something that a lot of people push back against about going to a doctor, having a primary care physician, going to see a specialist, Mm -hmm. is often I hear the experience of, I feel like I was in there for five minutes, they looked over me, they gave me all these orders, and then I left.
1: And that's valid. That's very valid. And <laughs> it comes down.
0: I think it comes down to the time that, and the stress and strain that our physicians are really put under, you know, I can talk about the common experience of going to the doctor's office, showing up at 8 AM and then waiting until 8 35, being in there for five minutes and then leaving that entire experience was aware or people were aware of that much before the pandemic. But I think because of those things, now we've got both sides of the fence kind of getting the burnout feeling. And now we've got physicians who are kind of dropping out and being like, this isn't as fulfilling as it should have been, or it isn't as more. Um, And it's just an interesting time to be in health. Care in general, recognizing that there's so much more to us than just, I guess, the mask of our profession.
1: I mean, yeah, you you touched on a lot of things, of course, transactional, but you also have to look, there's so many things at play in that. I I guess I want to think about, yeah, it's a business. And, you know, if you, the sad part is, is like actually physicians don't want to spend five minutes with you. We really, really don't. We didn't come to medicine to spend five minutes with you. We came to medicine to help and to heal. We're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. We really did. But then what happens is if you work for corporations, healthcare organizations. Then if you're now seeing this number of patients per day to make these amount of numbers, which is your salary, then you then are brought into meetings to say, how are we gonna help you succeed? Um, you know, what is happening? And then pretty much you will maybe get the boot. And, and then you have to then see all these people because otherwise you won't make your numbers. It is impossible to make a certain threshold of money by seeing 15 patients a day, which would be ideal to take care of people, to listen, to examine them, to hear their stories about their grandchildren and about their kids and about their vacation. You cannot do that very effectively, you know, when you're supposed to see 50 people to make numbers. So then there's this stress. And then, of course, yeah, we start feeling burned out because we know this is wrong. We know we cannot take care of patients that way. And then we start having this uh, split from our true essential nature spirituality of like we're a healer we're loving we are caring because we cannot do that in that constraint and then we become burned out as well so that's a problem and and also i mean there's just like so much i mean there's so many things at at play but yeah it's a terrible experience for all of them it's not just for the patient actually it actually is a terrible experience for us and then we can't cope with this feeling that feels yucky we don't know how to express it we don't know how to label it and then We maybe do drugs, we commit complete suicide, we overeat, we overwork to cope with this feeling that something is not right. We just can't, we don't know what it is. Something's not right. It's the. feel it too.
0: The alignment, I guess, is what I would kind of high level describe that as. Because one thing that I know about, you know, I'm very big in the mental and behavioral health space. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of different people who are in the healthcare industry, a lot of different professionals, clinicians. And I can tell you one thing about all of these different types of people. They care. They got into healthcare to be a servant of others. And so it's very interesting to hear the perspective of a leader like yourself who has this perspective of there's not alignment between what we've wanted to do when we came through school. And now we're being pushed into a system that is so transactional because we have to hit financial drivers. Mm -hmm. And so it's an interesting time in healthcare in general, especially now, because it seems like we are on the front stage, if you will. Everybody needs our support. The demand is higher. The resources that everybody has are lower or they're limited. Um, And it just kind of takes me to a place of wondering how we're going to get out of this.
1: Yeah, that those are great questions, and I, I I think it comes from many. I mean, it's not just the physicians; it's also the patients. It's it's so so big of how people can say this is not right, this is not this is enough. We need a better way. I mean, that's how we sort it. Awareness is the first step. First of all, if you don't know what's happening, then you don't know how to fix a problem. If you don't know you have a problem, you have to have awareness. Number one. Once you have awareness, then you can then start about figuring out the solutions for this. And again, this is a little bit of a growth mindset, but like first you have to know what the problem is. Then you have to realize everything in life has a solution. There's a solution for everything. But if you're in a victim mindset, well, no, all we're gonna do is whine, 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 say it's terrible, um, just complain and be angry and blah, blah, blah. you know, that, that's not helpful for anything. I mean, you can stay there all day, of course, but are we gonna get out of it? No, we need solutions, we need ideas, we need, to collaborate. I mean, again, this is like the growth mindset we're talking about from the beginning. That's where we have to be. And not just from the doctors trying to fix this It's from patients advocating saying, I don't tolerate this. I do not want this. You know, I want X, Y, and C. I want a physician to see me. I, you know, I don't want, for example, from the, from the physician standpoint, we are now called providers. We're not providers. And this is being on my profile. Like we're not providers. Providers provide electricity, uh, internet. We don't provide that. I'm a physician, my healer, I'm a teacher. That's who I am. Uh, in that role. So when we get dehumanized and confused of a different name that we're given, then we don't even know who we are. If you don't know who you are, how do you even know where you're going? I mean that it all kind of comes together. So we also as physicians have to say like, this is enough, we are not providers, we are physicians, this is my title, my role, not from the ego, because it's not coming from the ego, this is just coming from, it is dehumanizing, and it's confusing us that we are just providing stuff, and then you we show up as what we we're told, it's sort of like if you tell your kids, You know, whatever you tell your kids to be, they're going to rise to that. If you tell your kid you're a fool, they're going to become fools. They're going to act like fools. If you tell them to be something positive or different, they will rise to that occasion. Don't tell your kids what not to do. Tell your kids what to do.
0: So where did this depth of mindset from your personal perspective come from? Because it's so refreshing to hear all of these unique perspectives because it seems like you've created distance between the moment right now and being able to observe yourself and have that sense of awareness. And it's just so interesting to me that you consistently have the ability to deploy an audit and be aware of what's going on. So I would love to kind of know how, where all of this came from. Yeah, I mean,
1: the, those are great questions. So. It- it's, it's a journey, it's a work, it's a daily practice. Just like if you're trying to play basketball or play piano, you have to practice those skills. And this is the same thing where you have to practice every day, spend time pausing, meditating, quiet time, pray, whatever you wanna call it that makes you feel comfortable because everybody calls it a different thing. But some time of reflection daily to think about these kind of things. If you don't spend time to think about this, then when will you do it? I mean, when is the time? And we started thinking about like, oh, there's not enough time. Well, again, this is a mindset of scarcity. There's not enough time. There is plenty of time. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of money. There's plenty of love. There's plenty of everything. The universe is boundless. It's expansive. And that's how you have to think about things. But to kind of even think about it, get to that point, you have to spend some time to quiet your mind, quiet your thoughts. They don't go away. It's not like you're meditating like they go away. You have millions of thoughts, but you need to quiet down the chatter, the ego, all these false stories that our brain tells us. Our brain, once you realize how it works, is your mental health. I mean, this is kind of up your, your alley. I mean, the brain is a very powerful thing, but the brain tells us a lot of stories. And mm-hmm. these are mostly false most of the time. They're, they're actually not true. We just think, oh, do, 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 do. And well, actually, is there a different way to think about it? There likely is. And the way that you think about the same story may make you feel completely different. So choose your stories wisely that you tell yourself because you're going to either cause your illness or you're going to cause your disease just from the actual thoughts. And that's very powerful to know. And then mental health. This is very powerful. I mean, it's your mind is so powerful. It will cause your disease physically also mentally spiritually alignment wise or it's going to cause your health and health is our true nature where our nature is to be healthy to be joyful all the stuff that we talked about at the beginning but um we have to think about how our mind is and and the powerful thing that it is but we're separate from our mind we are not our thoughts we are the thinker of our thoughts which again is like another kind of level but you have to figure all this stuff out by spending time to think about it
0: I feel like you and I are reading from the same book. And so it's so refreshing to hear, you know, the perspective of our minds are incredibly powerful things. And the one thing that I often bring up in conversation is it's very interesting, especially in the west if you will, the education process that we come through. We're told, especially from a medical perspective as well to understand and download information and then be able to recall that information and from my perspective a lot of that is what is considered our mental power but there is so much power in being able to create the world that we see around us being able to understand that that internal voice i read a book and if you haven't checked it out i think you definitely should it's called the untethered soul Mm -hmm. and it gives an example of the roommate as that internal voice and if you have an opportunity take yourself through this exercise if you're listening Anytime that you have that internal voice running in your head, imagine if that was an actual person sitting next to you on the couch while you were watching a movie. And if the movie started and the the trailer started and somebody said, wow, that's that new car that just came out. I wonder if they sell that at the dealership. Eventually, as you got into the movie, you tell that person to be quiet. And if they were giving you advice, often that advice is wrong too. Because how many times have you had moments of self-doubt? Mm -hmm. moments of thinking you can't get something done. And that internal voice is consistently running. But then you recognize very much like you said, that those are just stories that we seem to tell ourselves. And there's really not a lot of validity to that. And so I love being able to riff on that topic, because it really is about that perspective of distance from my where I sit in the world at this point in time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like, you are not your thoughts, but we are told that we're thoughts. We believe all this stuff. And it's like, not really, because uh, that that actually is not a truth. It's just something you're thinking. And we have 60, whatever the number is, seventy thousand thoughts per day. And most of them actually are negative. And then we just sit in this repetitive, like same thoughts, same thought, which keeps us stuck. And we don't go anywhere with it. We just like ruminate, ruminate, ruminate. And we don't, do go anywhere and then we believe it and then half of the time we are the ones that are literally in the way of our success, because we just keep thinking like oh what well, can I do that or can I charge money for this can I. Can I do this and like what will they think and you know we are the blocks of our success or we are the makers of our success. We really are. You know, it's like, it's really up to us, but, but it's in our mind. It's, it's what we're thinking, what we are projecting, what, you know, how, how do we link up? I mean, we have to have some common sort of like you talked about we're reading the same book. We're in the same frequency. So we are aligned in the same frequency, thinking the same things, then that attracts it. I mean, there's the law of attraction. If you, if you want to read a great book, as you talk, the law of attraction, right? This is a law, universal law. What you put out comes back like boomerang, like a Frisbee. So, or you can call it karma, If you, you know, if you don't like the word karma, call it, you know, a law uh, of attraction. Karma just means action. That's all it is. So you send out a good action, like a loving action, a, a, a positive action. It comes right back to you with like boundless, you know, boomerang back to you. You send out angry things and shame and, you know, things that are not as pleasant. That comes right back to you too. And then you think like, oh, all these bad things happened to me. Well what have you been are you loving are you peaceful because if you are that that comes like that's that's who you are that's who the world will be
0: and so do you see um the reason why the negativity kind of swirls today if you will is because we don't have the ability or the bandwidth anymore to kind of be full enough to take time to put out that positive energy you know they always talk about um, you know the difference between smiling and frowning. And one uses more muscles than the other. And it seems like today in this world, it's easier to be negative because that's where the tide seems to be pushing us. And it's just easier to kind of go downstream. And I just recognize that with my peers. I recognize that with people around me. And I see that we're just at a time now where it's easier to sometimes slide downhill rather than taking the fortitude to kind of plant your your flag in the ground and maybe hike upward.
1: Yeah, I think of two things with one. One, yes, you're right, it's work. So the, it, but, but why it's work and you've really touched on it is, you know, art the way our brain works. Our brain is wired for survival. So what's so efficient? Our brain wants to look for everything that's bad or is negative that is gonna kill us. Like if you look at anything, that's why the news, you know, my clickbait, right? Like you look at the negative because that's gonna kill me. Oh my gosh, how, how can they do this? Oh, I can't believe I saw this. You don't click on the uplifting story of survival or like something that transforms somebody nobody clicks on that and there's probably one of the 30 ones on your feet that are that because people don't click on it because your brain doesn't want to look at that it wants to look at the bad it was gonna scare it. so then we focus our brain on all the negative because that's what our brain does. There's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing like, oh, we're just not going downhill, but it takes work. It takes work to realize, one, that's what our brain does. So you have to realize awareness. Then two, you have to take do work daily to say, okay, brain, I know that you wanna keep me safe and look at all the negative, and we can go down that train, and that's a slippery slide, and it's easy to go down that slide, and we just all get in there. Or I'm gonna do daily work To counteract all this negativity, I'm going to reprogram my brain because it has something called neuroplasticity, which means it makes new connections, just like when you're playing the piano. I'm going to do that for my brain every day to then focus on the positive, to make sure my brain is scanning the world because it's very efficient, very efficient, not to look at the negative, but like look at all the positive. And you have to do that every day to make sure it programs itself, reprograms itself, reprograms and it's work. Yeah. You don't just wake up and all of a sudden it just poof happens. It takes work. So if you don't do the work, well, yeah, you're going to just go slip and slide in the negativity because that's what's easier and everybody's on that wagon and that's fine. We can stay there, but wow, is that a fun place when you're negativity, angry, you have reflux, you have heart attacks, stress, your joints hurt, you know, headaches, you can't sleep. Yeah, that's the train you're going to be in. It's much easier. But then you're in the doctor all day. Tell me about all your stress related problems that are physical illnesses now. And I mean, that's that is a reality because 80% or more of doctor visits, I'm talking about primary care, whatever it is, they're stress related. And even as a urologist, all day, I mean, if I ask, which I do, of what I talk about is stress. I mean, yeah, then we do your surgery for this and that, but then we're talking about stress and how that's affecting you, not only in my urology space, but in everything. And I I also don't just focus on like, oh, we're just talking about your bladder. I don't want to know about everything else because you're not like in pieces. You don't come as a box of like bladder and it doesn't affect how your brain or your heart attack can affect what we're gonna do with your bladder or whatever the issue is. So. We cannot be dividing people into pieces, even though we do that in, you know, sometimes in the West as healthcare or whatever we call it. We are whole. We are connected from the top of the brain to your toes. You know, so so that all has to be talked about. Yeah, we're not, you know, we're like we're are whole. We're complete.
0: I mean, the holistic approach to viewing somebody as a complete person is something that I think is profound because it is not taken as seriously, I guess, in the medical profession. You know, I've had many friends, one of which um, who suffered from chronic stomach aches, Crohn's disease, literally could not eat food, was struggling until he saw a specialist at UCLA who was like, Nathan, I want to tell you something. It's all in your head. And after that appointment, something changed inside him where he was like, I don't have stomachache anymore. And it was very interesting to see that perspective and that approach because he had seen doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. doctor. And I've had, I mean, my last roommate, um, an amazing woman named Michaela, chronic stomach issues forever. Always saw doctors, got this medicine, did this thing, stopped eating this food, did this thing, did this thing, and then went into another doctor who was like, All right, let's kind of re examine everything here. And then before you know it, she didn't have the same types of issues. It's so interesting.
1: It's, I mean, it literally is amazing. and, And then the people, the thing is, like, people don't believe it. People, like, sometimes you tell, like, I tell my patients, I'm like, You know, this is stress, or this is definitely also made worse by stress, but the main, thing and like the reason why you have this type of cancer and this is it's like all stress related and they're like no and I'm like listen I'm not just telling you like because I think it's a nice story I'm telling because I actually have lived it when I was in burnout number two because I've been it twice I had all the physical manifestations and I went to a thousand doctors too because I had um I couldn't sleep right like you wake up every two hours I actually didn't have headaches but I couldn't sleep I grinded my teeth so badly that they got destroyed I need to have like a crown a root canal abscess it was very painful I had a reflux I was on something called protonics for my reflux my reflux was so bad I got asthma it was like confirmed on some like breathing test. I got asthma which I don't have asthma and I wouldn't have asthma at 42 years old but I did um, I had debilitating chest pain that I could not literally run across a room and I'm a runner and couldn't walk across the room I had so much bad chest pain Um, then I got joint pain, my rheumatoid factor, which is something for autoimmune diseases was elevated. I mean, like it was like a energetic bomb of stress. And if you don't think that was all stress related, I mean, like I'm here to tell you it was because nothing changed. I didn't change jobs. I didn't change husband. I didn't change family. I didn't change anything else except my thoughts. That's the only thing that changed. And I am not on any medications. I sleep like a baby. I don't have any pains you know it's a completely different state of health or state of illness so stress is very powerful and stress is how we manage our mind or we don't manage our mind it just runs crazy like woo, you know we don't manage it we just look at all the negative we sit on that negativity on everything's terrible we're doomed nothing good happens we're all going to die why do we even care i mean if we're in that yeah. state of gloom yeah that's what's gonna happen. You are gonna die. You're gonna die of a heart attack because, like, you're just in gloom, doom, negativity all day. Yeah, you're gonna die of a heart attack.
0: That's- and you're gonna manifest, you know, some of those feelings that you're thinking about, which is so powerful. Okay. Um, I wanna kind of back up a little bit because you said that you were in burnout for the second time. Yeah. And now that I have the ability to kind of spend some time with you and hear the fortitude in your mindset, it sounds like you've developed this through the trials of fire, like you've been oh, yeah. through the experiences. Oh, so, yeah. can you tell us a little bit about kind of what the burnout process was like for you, time one and time two?
1: Sure. I mean, times one um, was after I finished my training and I had, uh, it was my first job. And, you know, it wasn't terrible in terms of like, you, you know, the thing was, I was working every day because I was the only person there for that job. There was nobody else to cover me, and so I was the only person for the hospital. And so guess what? On the weekend, who's going to see those patients because I'm the only one, there's nobody else. And you know, so then I would go see them on the weekend and it wasn't many. It was one, two, but like you never truly physically disconnected or never had a break, never had a pause because I would go on Saturday or Sunday to like run. Cause who else was going to do that? And even though then I said, this is not sustainable. I cannot do this, you know, you know, didn't happen. And obviously I, I left because of that, but it was like this chronic stress of always having to worry, worry, worry about patients because I never got time off to not worry about the patients. Cause you need rest. And this chronic background noise of worry that was just kind of ooh, like buzzing like an elevator music, you know, I got to a place where I was sort of like, in a way, like that squirrel in the middle of the street, right, like you're kind of panicky, you don't know what to do, you're kind of frozen, am I gonna get run over by the car or not? You're just like in panic mode. I mean, there's different levels of stress mm. getting to burn burnout, but you know, I was on the way up there. I wasn't completely paralyzed, but I was like, oh. and I remember being outside a patient room and I couldn't decide what to do about something that we commonly do all day as urologists, which is put a catheter. And I mean, this is basic stuff, but I could not figure out what to do. I was like, Whoa, well, what should I do? I, should I put it in? I mean, I don't know what to do because of the risk of this and this, whatever. And I even called, you know, called like a colleague my old chief and I'm like, which I haven't talked to him forever, but I'm like, I don't know what to do. This is scary. Like Something is wrong. Um, I said, maybe my sugar, maybe I'm diabetic. I mean, maybe my thyroid. I mean, I'm a woman young, we have thyroid problems. Probably who knows something's wrong. I need to go to a doctor. Um, something is physically wrong. And, you know, I go to the doctor and then he's like, mm, here's your Zoloft lady. Um, you know, you mm-hmm. have anxiety or, you know, stress and here's your Zoloft, which is, you know, antidepressant, anti-anxiety. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? Oh, like check us stuff again, you know, and i was like in shock like how could that be you know um but i did get my zoloft i did go to therapy and you know then I was fine after a few months of going to that and resetting my neurotransmitters like literally physically um you know in your brain because they were all out of whack they were in a state of you know no balance there was no balance there and they had to be like reset and that's kind of how that happened and then i thought well that you know you just go on with your life didn't think much about it, but then the second time, again, burnout. This was like just chronic stress, internalizing all this fear, all this um, you know, other emotions from other people and anger and fear from COVID, right? It was during COVID. We all had our COVID stories, but that was really mine. And it was a whole year of like sitting in this, absorbing this energy of like all the news, and we're gonna I'm gonna die, and I'm probably gonna die, and I thought I was gonna die, and you know. We didn't know what was going on. It was really scary. And I really wasn't turning to the other people's like fear and emotion. And then it became mine and it wasn't mine actually, but it became mine and it truly became mine. And it was a very negative place. And again, when I was in the second time where it took a whole year of like festering and this negativity and physical illness, I literally was like in bed and I'm like, well, what am I good at? I mean, like, what can I do? Cause I want to leave medicine. I don't want to be in medicine. I want to get out. So what's my plan B? um you know what is it and i was like well I, I got into coaching and i was like well i'm gonna be coached then i'll be a coach and i'm gonna just make all this money and get out of it and make more money than that i would even as a physician i'm getting out of it and and that was my starting point but coaching is really about awareness it talks about what are your thoughts or why are you thinking things understanding what your thoughts are and that was the beginning of me kind of getting out of it and really this post traumatic growth whatever you want to call it going from a dark place, which was dark to a different way. And I think a lot of things in life are that and we realize that we think that it's all happy, 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 happy. But no, like life is sad. Life is good. Life is bad. Life is good. Those are seasons of life. And that is how it is. This false idea that is all happy. Like we're all happy and successful. Like that's not true. We have there other times, but that just are going to be lessons for things we need to learn for the good days. And then the, when we have the good days, we appreciate that they're not gonna last too long because then we're gonna have other times that are not as good. But these are all lessons that we're learning. They're not failures, they're not terrible times. They're like, oh, I'm supposed to learn something here. What am I supposed to learn? What am I supposed to do now that I went through this whole year? Can I give that lesson, that pain, can I use it for something positive to tell the people about it, to help my patients, to help other physicians. Can I use that for positivity? And I can, or I can sit in it and just think, Oh, whatever, but I wanted to use it for something good. And I I do, and I, and I did, and that's what I'm, you know, here to talk about today. You know, just really there's a different way. There's a different way to live. There's a different way to not be in stress and anger and negative emotions all day. You can be in a different place, but it takes work.
0: Hey guys, just want to jump in in this week's episode and pause real quick to give a little bit of love to everybody who is still listening. You know, the feedback that we get about these episodes is incredibly important to us, and we'd love to kind of hear your feedback on how the conversation is going, the topics of discussion, as well as any type of improvement that you guys would like to see to the show. But just want to hop in here, show a little bit of love. Let's get back to it. I had a great conversation with somebody yesterday and we were talking about this exact same subject and it was the seasons of growth that we go through in life are very telling because they are not meant a season in itself is not quick. It takes time. And during that time, you're going to go through the human experience of the ups and downs. Mm -hmm. And so being able to have, once again, I'll use the word, the perspective to observe that season and come back to it and utilize it as fuel or a learning lesson is very key. And I think a lot of people struggle today because we are addicted, we've been seduced, whatever the word is, to the idea of instantaneous success, to the things that we interact with on a daily basis. And unfortunately... There is a lost art in understanding that failure is the other side of success, Mm -hmm. and if you're going to flip a coin you're going to hit it 50-50, but learning to kind of navigate through those failures, if you will, as something you can learn from and rally upon them is incredibly powerful. One of the things that I take a lot of effort in doing is kind of gamifying the things that I do on a daily basis because I grew up playing a lot of video games and I watched an amazing TED talk one time and the guy was like, what if your life was a video game? And he gave the example of playing Mario with his friends. Everybody would leave school, they go home, they play Mario Brothers, and they come back the next day and say, how far did you make it? And they're like, oh, I made it to the end of the ninth level. But nobody talked about the failures of how many times you had to restart from the very beginning of the game. Mm -hmm. And he was like, it's interesting how we perceive different experiences like games as failure as part of the growth experience, but it's also part of the journey. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's difficult for us to have that same mentality when it comes to our lives, because we take everything so seriously. Being able to look at things as a gamified element, there's going to be failures. You're going to have to reset. You're going to have to go at it again and retool and come back better next time because you know what to do next time is a great thing. It's not a bad thing that we should be ashamed of. And I hear you kind of reflect that same type of mentality.
1: Oh, I love that. What is that? That's a great way to look at things. I mean, I think about it in a, like as a play, like we're on a play and we all are different roles. Like sometimes you're the producer, sometimes you're the actor, sometimes you're this actor. And we are all, you know, going back to the ego, we all have these roles we're playing And it's, and it's kind of like a game and it actually is kind of fun and it actually is you know kind of funny and you kind of have to be yes absolutely lighthearted hearted because the universe has a sense of humor I mean it's actually it's fun and it's not all like terrible like it's funny like I I was talking somebody posted something about um dyslexia that all the gifts that dyslexics have like you are curious you like to ask why you um, are empathetic all there's like six of them but I have a little dyslexia, where sometimes it's not uncommon that I could switch a number—not all the time—but it can happen. I, I, have, you know, gone to airports on the wrong day because I mixed the date or whatever. And I mean, it has happened. You know, things like that happen, which drives my husband, who is very analytical, crazy because things like <laughs> how can you mess it up? I'm like, I don't know, I just did. But, but you know, I said, oh my God, yes, for sure, this is my superpower. You know, I love my dyslexia. You know, even if it's a little mild or whatever. And literally the next day, I was in my office. And I was looking at my schedule and I saw. wait a minute. I was like, why are, why do I have surgeries on my Friday? Because it's going to be my day off that I asked for like a month ago. And I have like, I'm giving a talk. It's a paid talk. Like, I mean, like I'm going to this conference. It's paid. I mean, I've like already organized a month ago. And I said, William, a what's going on here? And I'm like, something's wrong. And I call, you know, I call my scheduler, try to figure out. She's like, no, like you are scheduled to be. To work and i'm like no i'm not so i'm looking through my stuff and i look at like what i wrote so instead of putting like i say the 24th i put the 29th so like mm-hmm. i kind of switched that day so then i ended up having like wednesday in the middle of the week off that was a true day that was off anyway i mean i got panicked i mean i really no matter what, how much meditation you do i like really was like crying i'm like oh my god like how can i do this uh you know like panicking because I didn't want my manager schedule to have to do more work for my mistake that I made. Um so I was really worried about them. I didn't want that to be a burden on them. And um but then after like a you know the one two blessings were one, my manager, you know, very kindly and calmly said, Dr. London, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> you know, and I was like ah! You know, and I was like, it was so kind that even just her saying it so kindly and calmly, which I clearly needed just made me so like appreciative of like how kindness can be a long way. And it's not a big deal and it was fine, but her kindness when I was really like frazzled went such a long way and I, that made me cheer in itself and then after I got a little cheer and I was like kind there you know, I really then just laugh. I'm like, this is hilarious. I mean, that's funny because I declare this is my superpower. And the next day I'm crying like a little chihuahua, right? So (laughs) it was just, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, this is funny stuff and you have to be lighthearted. You you know, this is kind of fun. Like this is funny, fun. Life is not so serious. You gotta have a little laughter, you know? So that's probably why I'm a urologist too, because we kind of have a sense of humor. (laughs) So we still have it and it is, I mean, we cannot be that serious. I don't wanna go to work and be so serious all day. Like this stuff is can be fun. And I joke with my patients all the time because it's funny. I mean, why are we like all serious and doom and gloom even with your diseases? I mean, like, yeah, I'm not gonna make a joke that's inappropriate, but like some stuff we gotta like lighten up the mood, you know? Like nobody wants to go see a doctor that's all stiff and like, you know, like gloomy, like, let's just like have a little fun. You know, it's like a social visit for me too. <laughs> you know, I have fun with my patients and like, we catch up and we laugh and like, it's fun. I mean, it's like seeing 20 friends a day. I'm like, oh, what's going on? You know, how are you? It's it's fun. You know, it's not like, oh God, here's another one. <laughs> you know.
0: I mean, there's a, there's a saying that I love and it's not how many days do you get out of life, but how much life do you get out of your days? Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, um there's such a materialistic culture that we live in the wanting to obtain the wanting to have the items but at the end of the day and it's famous if you talk to people who are on their last leg or quarter mile if you will and they think about or they ask what do you regret or what do you wish you would have done more of they're never like i wish i would have made more money i wish i would have done these things with my family i wish i would have spent more time with these people i wish i would have had more fun and i wish i would have been less serious and it's very interesting to hear the perspective of someone who's been through the journey, who only wishes that they would have had more fun along the way. And no matter what profession you're in, you always have the opportunity to carry that lighthearted energy. And I've been to times when I've met with a doctor and they're very serious. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, is something wrong with me? But then you'll also, you'll have an interaction with another doctor who'll be lighthearted, who'll be friendly. And they just kind of calm out the entire moment with their energy that they present. And yeah. so, you know, I really, really, really vibe with them.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're all energy and again, people, especially men, medicine, get really uncomfortable with energy. But the thing is, I mean, even as physicians, like when you like an electrocardiogram or EKG, like the little task that they do to like look your heart, to see if you have a heart attack or like an EEG for your brain, it's electrocardiogram. We're measuring electric activity. We are literally on the molecular level looking at electricity, like how things potassium and sodium interchange and make electric changes and we are energy and i mean we're not measuring marshmallows on the ekg i mean it's energy and so we're energy and when you die that energy goes away like that soul like that brightness in your eye the little sparkle it goes away if you've ever seen somebody pass away or die like there's no sparkle they're just kind of like boom like a lump of mass yeah there's no sparkle there's no like excitement there is no joy i mean they're just like you know it's like a mannequin and that sparkle that light in their eye i mean that is your soul i mean that that really is your soul and people say uh, your soul is in your eyes and it really is and if you don't look at people in the eye whether you're doctor lawyer the lady at mcdonald's i mean like you gotta look at people in the eye this is not about physicians or patients this is about people when you go to the bank do you look at the teller in the eye and say oh thank you like really acknowledge that person in front of you being present uh that that, that's like stuff that you know anyway that's stuff that makes me excited but that that's what gets me up in the morning talking about that this kind of stuff because this is so fun it's so important to talk about these things in life that are truly actually important to me i mean like the other human that's what's important what are your fears like what are you happy about what are you excited how can we help you i mean that that's that's what a does, but like, that's what we do for each other as friends. Like, how can I help you? Like, I got calls today. Like somebody's telling me about something. I'm like, well, how can I help you? Like, what can I do to uplift you, to tell you, you got this and you can do it, that you're going to make it, you know? And, and, and that's maybe a coach too, but, but we all are all healers coaches. That's all who we are. Then we just got an extra title and spend a lot of money to get that, but who cares? Like it doesn't matter i don't need the diplomas to to say i am a healer a coach for you without all the titles like who cares like they'll burn i mean it's just really expensive artwork you know i should probably buy like a matisse or something nicer (laughs) but you know they're just pieces of paper
0: Your your perspective is so refreshing. Um, You said a couple of things, and one of which is something in my mind just went back to as I was watching you talk there. Um, You were talking about, you know, the power of the brain and the fact that we've really created the worlds around us. You know, everything that we see in front of us, to the iPhone, to the book, to the keyboard, to our awesome microphones that we talked about before we hopped on here today, have been created out of someone's mind. You know what I mean? These things came from nothingness. And so looking at the opportunities that we have to be happy to make eye contact, to engage with other people, those are the things that really matter. And at the end of the day, those are how we create the human connection that can really kind of change somebody's day. And so hearing the fact that you are so charged up about these things is so refreshing because um, you know, having these types of conversations are what I'm really passionate about as well. And more people need to participate in them because they make you feel rejuvenated. They really make you feel charged up. The energy is infectious, even though it's through you know the screen, it's just so powerful.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, it is all in fact, just like negative one is and so is positive. But I mean, we all have an energy and we all want that. And, and so how do you get it? It's like you yeah, have to work for it. I mean, it doesn't, you know, when we are children, I mean, if you look at children, if you have children, I have a four and a six year old. They Congratulations. things. They actually are that they are joy. They're like spontaneous. They're happy. They jump. They like sing. I mean, that's who we come to this world as, these joyous souls. And then there's always a transition where we lose that spontaneity, and then our ego comes in, our, our false identity. Then we're like, oh, I'm a teenager, so I don't want to act like that because I'm too cool. Like we start getting all of these false identities growing and building. And well, I'm a I'm a mama. I can't like we went to this um, hotel and it was very it was fancy. It was at this meeting I went to, very fancy um that was paid for otherwise I wouldn't pay for it myself but you know I'm doing cartwheels in the middle of the quad and you know people would be like why would this lady be because why not because I'm a kid at heart like I want to do cartwheels this grass area looks amazing I want to do cartwheels and people would be like oh but you're a mom yeah exactly that's why I want to do it because I'm a mom because I want to have fun and want to do things that like why wouldn't you not do it but we start listening to oh what if or like the ego and like you can't do that I'm like why not um, and again, not only are kids are teachers to remind us of our true nature of laughter, joy, spontaneity, jumping, all this stuff, but there are also fantastic teachers about the why not. Any little kid, if you have them, especially like a two, like why, why, but like why not or why. Why would we do this or why are we doing this? We gotta keep asking those questions when you're going back to what you said earlier, like how are we gonna get out of this? Well, first of all, we gotta know what's going on awareness, but then ask like, why are we still doing this like this? Or why are we not doing this? We gotta ask the why questions. I mean, that is a very important question that like, you know, I'm sure very fancy, people with a lot of letters under the name also can figure out, but like little children are telling us every day, like why? <laughs> so listen to the wise people in this world, which are children. They are telling us the important lessons of this world. They're there. We're just like too busy, maybe with the iPhone or with TikTok or something else, or going after your Ferrari. We were so busy doing that. We don't listen to the people that are giving us all the important messages.
0: And you know, there's a, something I heard the other day, which was very powerful. And you just asked the question why many times and you compared it to children who have a natural innate ability to ask why. Mm -hmm. And they are looking for answers or searching for things that they don't understand, which is completely understandable. But there's also a comparison of people who are wise as well, who have the ability to see more than what other people can see. And a lot of that comes from not being distracted. Not having all of these peripheral or outside inputs that are consistently jumping in front of us that really give us the opportunity to see things that maybe other people can't. You know, one of my biggest things in mental health is I'm an observer. I become more observant as I've gotten older and I look around at human behavior when I'm in public and I look at what people are doing. And unfortunately, people are all stuck, if you can see the show right now, guys, on their phone they're in these things they're attached to these devices and we lose so much of the human experience that just whizzes by us every single day that you know i really am kind of worried at a macro scale of what our generations are going to think about when they're older it's like how much time did i waste looking at my device when i could have been looking at the beautiful things and the experiences around me with my family with my children with all these other opportunities um i do think about that as well and i don't know if you've ever thought about that either
1: yeah sure i mean i i mean it's all changed. And maybe like 100 years ago, they were thinking of like another thing that was interfering with things like, oh, how can it be like this? It's all Yeah, I mean, there's everything's going to change as we go on and go on. But you know, even in the world of like kids having iPads or phones or doing that, you still then at the same time, then have to prioritize, you know, we're gonna have the meals together. No, we don't have phones or iPads while we eat food, like we're going to have that family time where we all eat together. We're going to prioritize, we're going to go and do a bike ride and there's like there's no phones. I mean like you have to then make time for that. You can't expect or blame or say, oh, it's the new technology when you're not living it to to really expect that but not live it. I mean, you you have to be the example. I mean, it's really the whole thing, you know, be the change, be who you want to be. If you want that your kids to, be engaged and not be in things. Well then you first of all, don't, don't be on them all day. And two, make quality time to do things that are not with devices where we read, you know, we're reading actual books, you know, things that, you know, remember those books that are paper, we read those, you know, you spend time eating together, you spend time doing things outside. that are not that. So you have to make the time. And again, these are things that are effort and work because it's much easier. And we see it all the time, right? Like you go to a restaurant, those kids are just on the iPad. Yeah. It's a lot easier not to pay attention to them and then you just do your own thing than to engage and talk to them or ask them how their day is or play games or do work puzzles or color. That That is a lot more work. Yeah, but the things that you work for are the things that are so, you know, such a gift. Like what you get out of your work is like the gifts are amazing.
0: Yeah, the experiences that come along with the work are the things that we really remember. You know, I always often think about the times when I was younger, I remember the family experiences. I remember laughing in restaurants. I remember being at the kite shop on the coast of Oregon and being able to kind of laugh and jump around with my parents. And those are the things that are glued into my mind because that's how I work. I like I see these snippets in time, and that's how I remember things. Um, but I do not remember the times where I was on my de- on my device, or I do not remember all of the other times. And so. I just appreciate you for bringing that perspective, because it is so refreshing, but it is so valid that we need to be able to work for the experiences that are truly valuable. Um, And it's just amazing. So as we start to land the plane here on the episode, as we come to the end, what is a piece of advice that you would give to people who are listening today who feel like maybe they're not showing up as their authentic self? Or they're having trouble kind of shining for who they really know who they are. Because I know you do a lot of coaching. I know you're helping people really kind of remember who they can truly be. Um, and so I wonder if you have a piece of advice that you could give to the audience as an ender today.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, there's that sort of buzzword, right? Authenticity. Oh, are you authentic? Oh, are you? Oh, what is it? I mean, when you, if you really think of somebody, think of somebody in your life who you think, wow, they are authentic. I mean, what qualities do they have and think about those qualities that you think, makes you think they're authentic and actually is that they have joy and passion. And they're just, you know, like they have this energy, like you want to be around like, that's why you call them authentic. So authenticity is those qualities again of the true self, not the ego self and the true self. And again, it just gets covered, you know, there's all these layers and covers and like we get kind of clouded and we kind of have to like open up the curtains to see the light. And get the fog out of our eyes. And to do that, it really, again, we have to go back to pausing, slowing down, taking time and just pausing and making some type of scheduled time to do that. Making like the the most powerful thing I have really done is a gratitude practice. And like, what is that? I mean, what it is, is really simple. I mean, before you go to bed, you know, uh, pee first, as the urologist will tell you, go pee, okay, empty your bladder. But after you do that, you come back and right before you close your eyes, even if you were on the social media before, that's fine. Write down with a pen and paper, not on your phone. Okay, write down things that you're grateful for every single night, every single night. And then you could also do that in the morning. I mean, I, I do it at both times, but day and night, day and night. And I get what it does doing is not just woo-woo or whatever it's causing that neuroplasticity. It's actually releasing chemicals in your brain that have been measured, that is things like serotonin, dopamine, that are your happy hormones, that if you have depression, they're gonna give you medicines to increase your serotonin. So that is gonna be your natural, like, antidepressant. That is gonna change your brain function and your chemicals, and you're gonna feel so much better. So start a gratitude practice. And then, yeah, it's not gonna happen in two days. Oh yeah, two days, I feel the same, yeah like probably eight weeks honestly and if not then come back and get your money back for this talk (laughs) you know literally get money back but if it doesn't change your life then i really want you to message me on linkedin or wherever you find me and tell me i did this for eight weeks straight and my life is still terrible i really want you to tell me that because i don't think i'll get anybody who truly does it for eight weeks and that will happen. What you'll happen is your life will be transformed. People will start like looking at you a little different. You may get a little twinkle in your eye. You may want to just like do a little dancing. Sometimes you may just want to be a little spontaneous. You will be authentic um, because you will remember all these good qualities um, that you are and you have, and you started with gratitude. Gratitude and stress cannot coexist. It's impossible worry and stress cannot coexist with gratitude so start in a place of gratitude and i mean that's the most powerful thing i can probably share with somebody and it has really transformed my life
0: what we're gonna do is something that we've never done the podcast before but we are going to take this as an assignment takeaway when this episode drops eight weeks from the release date the thursday that this is dropping in the future if you practice gratitude by writing down three things that you're appreciative for in the morning and at night. And you can come back and say that I practiced this and it did not work. I will personally send you $1. I will Venmo you a single dollar for your efforts. I think it's a good trade of time, um, but I love the activity that we can assign for people who are still listening to the show. So once again, if you're still listening, you have a gratitude assignment comment below and let us know that you are participating or starting your journey. Eight weeks after your comment, if you do not see the result, you will get paid by me personally. That is a challenge to you. I love that activity. Diana, thank you so much for being such an amazing guest and bringing some variety and mindset positivity, but also the fortitude that you've exemplified in yourself is an inspiration for me. I know that I am better and I'm going to continue with my three wins at nighttime and my three wins in the morning, which I already do, um, because I know they are powerful. And so I will not be giving myself a dollar because I know that they work. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. It's such a fun, fun way to, to spend my afternoon. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Well, guys, that's been another episode of the It's Telehealth Podcast. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. Diana, once again, Absolutely an inspiration and you are, you know, my favorite guest. So I appreciate your time. Uh, yes, I
1: was gonna...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys. Take it easy. Hey guys, that's been another great episode of the It's Telehealth podcast. If you're still hanging around, thank you so much. It would be an absolutely amazing favor to us if you liked and subscribe to the channel on our YouTube and our Spotify. We're always looking to get more feedback on how we're doing and producing these episodes for you guys. So if you have some feedback, we'd love to hear it. But once again, thank you so much for sticking around. Can't wait to bring another one to you. Have an amazing day. Looking forward to the next one.